0: What do you get when the audacious and the therapist collide? A crash course in unpolished therapy. Rachel Silvercone and Dr. Boca aren't afraid to spin out of control, tackling all the tough talk. Their weekly sesh meets at the corner of Audacity and Advice, where their wheels and yours get turned upside down.
1: Hey, guys. Happy Wednesday. It's Rachel Silver-Cohen and Dr. Boca. So you know what that means. It's another episode of Unpolished Therapy. Let's jump right in. Hey, Dr.
2: Boca. Good morning. Good morning, Rachel. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Looking forward to another Wednesday with you. It's always the highlight of my week. I know I say that, but it really is. I know. It's the highlight of my week too. But
1: I have to tell you what's not a highlight, which just drives me crazy. And I don't know if you ever think about this, but either I have too much free time or my mind is just so unpolished that these are the things I think about in the middle of the night. But do you ever like when you make a phone call, and I guess it's a business call, and they say please listen carefully because the menu options have changed. I always (laughs) say to myself, like, really? Have they changed? Have the menu (laughs) options recently changed? Because I've been pressing one (laughs) for the last X amount of months or years or whatever. And I just like, what is
2: that all about? I don't know. But I just find the whole concept that the fact that every time I call someplace, even places that I used to call like my OBGYN's office, what I used to appreciate was that somebody actually answered the phone and as subsequent years have gone by, now it's automated and it's press one for this and two for this. And without fail, one of my kids comes in or my husband screams from the other room asking me a question or my phone beeps and I didn't hear what they said or I press the wrong number thinking that I knew what number I was supposed to press, particularly when I do it at this kid's school and I want to bypass the 30 numbers and I choose the wrong one every time and I'm such an idiot because I should know this. It annoys the hell out of me. Yeah. Well, you weren't listening carefully because the menu options... Basically,
1: they should be like, look, the menu options haven't changed, but everyone is so busy. So you need
2: to listen doubly carefully. Exactly. I know. It, or like it's, they're basically saying, okay, moron, I'm saying this very loud and very clear. Number one, number one, Lori, push number one, but they don't do that. And I'm just moving a mile a minute and I wind up listening to it. And then the best is when you press like, let's say three, right? Because you're going to set the appointment and they get on the phone finally after ring, 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 rings for a while. And, or they said your wait time is going to be five minutes and they finally pick up. And then you have to be put on hold again because their computer is running slow or whatever, or even worse, when you press three, you get some kind of recording, like all of our service representatives are busy at this time and you get the annoying music and you go through that like six or seven times. And then they said, if you'd like to leave a message for us to call you back. And I'm like, no, if I wanted to do that, I would have left a message with somebody earlier in one of the other queues. But now I actually want to talk to a real freaking person. And they never call back, by the way, just for the record, ever. Yeah. And I want to be like, no, no, you listen
1: carefully. Okay. (laughs) I'm not listening carefully anymore. You need to listen carefully. I am pressing one. I am pressing pound. I have put your name in by last name first and then I did it through the first and I need you to listen carefully. I have lost my mind. Anyway, it's just a stupid little quip. I just needed to get off my chest
2: because I don't think anybody has recently changed any menu options and it's really bothering me. They haven't. And I just wish they would put a live person back. But guess what? Just have to breathe through it. You're not alone. We're all annoyed by this. And it's only going to get worse with robots start taking over all of our businesses and stuff. So we just have to kind of roll with it and move through it and be annoyed. And maybe the menu options change because they took an and out or an or out or something like that. So well, all right. But so let's do this. I mean,
1: I'm going to take a deep breath because I don't know what it is you just said. Things are going to change or things could get worse. And I do have a topic that I would like to throw out to you and throw out to the listeners. I have said many, many times, if these are things that are on my mind, as unpolished as my mind is, I can't believe they're not on other people's minds as well. And... I want to jump in. And for me, it's a sensitive topic. So, oi, oi, all all you want. (laughs) I'm going to ask the audience again to give us grace in the sense that this is not real therapy, although I can really (laughs) use it. So, I'm going to toe the line between, to everyone listening out there, this is not real therapy. This is just Dr. Boca and I shooting the shit. If you have any issues or concerns or anything that you feel is questioning your accountability or your mental well-being, please contact her directly or call your local health provider. For my purposes, I'm going to use this as some sort of, yes, we've ditched the couch and we're grabbing the mics, but I'm going to take advantage of some of this unpolished therapy. Why, you ask? Well, Dr. Boga, my baby, my firstborn, my flesh and blood, my little person, anyone who knows me knows that. My firstborn kid has always been my pal, my sidekick, my quote-unquote person. So he has gotten his, uh, I can't even say it without vomiting, his driver's license. OMG. Yeah. So yes, OMG. And... Please just let me spew and then I'm going to be quiet. But this is the angst, okay? Yes. Am I the first parent in the world to have a little baby who's not a little baby anymore grow up and have a milestone and is now driving a vehicle that potentially could, you know what? No, I'm not. Do I know that? Do I understand that, quote unquote, intellectually? Sure. Am I physically ill and nauseous over the fact that it's not even the rite of passage because I'm so happy for him and I get it. But the control piece on my end is incredibly, incredibly anxiety producing. That's number one. Number two, I know we talked last week about the fact that I absolutely cannot stand cliches. But if I hear one more time, little kids, little little problems, big kids, bigger problems, I'm going to be the person jumping. Okay. So I don't want that in the repertoire. okay? Okay. The other thing that I can't stand is I do get that. Like I said earlier, I'm not the first, I'm not the last. We've all gone through it. I know people who are now gone through it. Oh my God, having a driver in the house, it's the best. And they can do your marketing and they can take your little guy wherever. And I don't want to hear that either. And I also don't want to hear the whole like, oh yeah, been there, done that. I have an issue and I've always tried to be sensitive to this. Parents who have yet to go through what you're going through Mm -hmm. or maybe vice versa. I guess parents who have already gone through it, they're very easy to kind of be that nonchalant, like, oh, yeah, it's whatever. You'll be fine. It's cool, whatever. I have tried, and I hope well, but maybe not. The parents who I know, whether they're family members or friends and just acquaintances who are going through things that I have already gone through, Mm -hmm. I try to be sensitive to that exact point. I don't want to, Undermine or devalue or minimize the phase of life or the mm-hmm. stage of life that they're going through. Because I remember when I was going through certain things with my kids when they were little. I remember, you know, I mean, I'm not like calling it out. It is what it is. But my sister in law who had older children or whatever would always kind of do that, like, "Oh yeah, wait till you do this," and it always bothered me that, like, am I not allowed to feel how I feel because? I haven't gone through it yet, but you have. And I don't want to do that. But mm-hmm. I'm having a tough time. I'm having more than a tough time. The whole teaching your kid how to drive thing for the past year. I've had an incredibly difficult time. I am not a good backseat driver.
0: I'm, <laughs> I'm barely even a
1: good. <laughs> well, I'm barely even a good driver. driver. Just driver. So, Apple Tree, I want to respect the fact that my kid, we've given him all the tools he's learning, he's had the professional lessons, practice. Mm -hmm. I don't know if practice ever makes perfect, but they say perfect practice makes perfect. There's nothing perfect about the driving scenario. I'm an absolute nervous wreck. I don't know how to relinquish control. I don't know how to have a deep breath. And I I don't know what to do. And call me out. Yes, I'm a novice. I'm a new mom of a brand new driver. And
2: I'm freaking freaking out. out. Right. And the fact that I can sit here and say, you're freaking out exactly at the same point that you just said, I'm freaking out, means that you are experiencing a very natural response. I understand based on our conversations that you've shared with our audience over the last year about your need to control certain things. And this is the epitome and the quintessential loss of control. Not only is a car by definition, right? It is a vehicle. I understand that. But I was going to call it the killing machine. Right. Okay. So I was freaking out. Yeah. So I was going to use a similar verbiage. And then I'm like, Oh, that's only going to create a little bit more. (laughs) But I'm glad you called it out for what it was. Right. But as I was always taught, I'm not worried about you. I'm worried about all the other people out there, which is a legitimate concern. Right. So I'm not going to be able to sit here and say, Rachel, we are going to think positive thoughts and we are going to whatever, because there is a reality here that I can't take away the full extent of that anxiety. I can, though, say to you that similar to the fact that you are now amount of years old, right? I'm going to be nice and not put that out there again. You've been driving since you were. 16 years old, 17 years old from Jersey. From Jersey. That's
1: another thing, this Florida thing. I could have gained
2: a whole nother year. You could have, where you would have had anticipatory anxiety for a whole nother year, which would have done nothing either. But I do understand that there is, we think, conceptually, or at least intellectually think, or make up to make ourselves feel better, that there's a maturity difference between the 16-year-old and the 17-year-old. But at some point, we're going to rip the Band-Aid off and it's going to suck no matter what. But let's look at it this way. I don't want to minimize the feelings because they are real. It's the same feelings that we have when that baby pops out and we're like, oh my God, now what do we do? I'm going to keep him from doing this and I'm going to like not give the binky to them and I'm not going to let anybody hold them because they're going to drop them. A lot of those things never came to fruition and never actually happened. We created and catastrophized and played out every possible scenario of bad things that would happen to our child and they didn't happen. Some might have, will he have a fender bender at some point? I am sure he will. Will he get a speeding ticket? I am sure he will. These are natural things that happen and they happen at a pretty high rate, especially with new drivers. However, the biggest concern that we have, obviously, is what you said before about the nickname that you have of these death mobiles or whatever they're called. You know, you've been driving since you were 17 years old and you're still here. Okay. Can I just... (laughs) I just want to put some things in
1: perspective. Okay, Okay. Yes. Thank you for not saying how old I am, which what difference does it make? But yeah, I've been driving since I'm 17. And one of the things that kind of feeds the fodder of the fear... Okay. It, you remember what you were like
2: at 17? Well,
1: not only do I remember what I was like at 17, but some of my friends who know me as long as it's been since I've been driving, to this day, they make fun of me about what kind of driver I am. And I will be in the car with my son as the passenger while he's trying to get the experience under his mm-hmm. belt, no pun intended. <laughs> And I'm sitting there literally clutching my right hand to the passenger door, okay? My teeth are clenched, and I'm dripping sweat, and I'm in paranoid mode. And this is what I'm remembering, okay? The fact that whether I was 17, whether I was 27, whether I was 47, whether I'm 49 and change right now, there are times where it's, and I'm sure everyone out there can relate to this, right? It's raining outside and the windshield gets a little foggy, and I'm now all of a sudden in like panic mode over, do I have hot air on? Do I put the cold air on? Do I lower down the windows a little bit? Do I press the button that says exhaust? But wait, how do you do the back exhaust? And I've been driving for 20 plus, 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 plus years, and I don't know what to do. How is he going to know what to do
2: if I don't even know what to do? Well, there's two points there. I am so happy you just said that because I sit there driving my kids to school, pushing every fucking button, trying to figure out, do I put the defroster on? Do I put this on? Do I use the windshield wipers? Do I open the window? It drives me crazy. And there's got to be a YouTube video or something that says you push this button for this and this button for this. But I literally thought I was alone with that one. So thank you. You just, made me feel better. So you're not alone on that because I'm a
1: wreck over it. And hey, anyone out there, this 49-year-old that's been driving for many, many decades now, I could use a tutorial. So someone hook a girl up and let that look and I know. Okay. two girls So that's number one. The other thing though I just want to tell you is that mm-hmm. while I'm also in the car with him, clutching the driver's side with my right hand, teeth clenched, freaking out, dripping sweat, I will be Looking out this Mm -hmm. windshield, right? And again, the vantage points are kind of off because he's the one behind the wheel of the car. But I feel like I'm the one with the experience, and I'm trying to like, oh my god, go! You're not turning the right way and and you've crossed over the line. And he's yelling at me because he's Mm -hmm. like, mom, no, I'm not. But from my vantage point, and I'm the adult in the room or the car in this, it's like, I don't even know who to trust anymore. Do I trust my judgment? Do I trust his judgment? I'm sitting there saying, I can't see out of the windshield because it's a little draining or whatever. And I'm taking now my left hand and pressing the, the thing down for the windshield wiper thing, because I don't feel like his timing is good enough. And he's like, but mom, I can see. And I'm like, I know, but I can't. And how can I gauge how he's doing if I can't see
2: because it's raining? So we're a mess. We're well, a mess. okay. So what I'm hearing is you might be contributing to <laughs> him being a little bit more anxious and therefore second-guessing himself, which is going to increase the likelihood of him making a mistake. So my suggestion to you would be one of a couple of things. Might it be possible for you to only intervene? You can be as white-knuckled as you want holding on for dear life, but can you not say anything? until you actually are in that moment starting to see three steps ahead of him that something might be happening. B, let him articulate if he can't see something. Okay. Or three, you already got him driving lessons. So why are you still like in the car with him? Because I think you might be contributing to... Part of his insecurity, which I'm not even sure he's insecure about he's his not. driving. He, yeah no but he's you're not creating is, yeah, a new well, one. It's not even about. I mean, here's the thing.
1: I love him to death. He's a great kid, according to everybody else. He's he has a great driver. To be a good driver. Well, great is a little excessive. Let's but not. He, let's but not. But he's a good know. driver. He's a good driver. We've done everything we you could can do. Right. My ex husband has really taken the helm. Thank God on being the A parent on. The majority of the lessons that are absent of the professional driving school lessons, you know, I'm the one that could adding the lesson after lesson after lesson, because I feel like maybe just the more we do, the better it'll hedge a potential problem down the road. It is me. And I'm mm-hmm. admitting that. And I'm saying that there was this scenario several months ago, he had practiced and it was kind of dusky out, right? And, you know, that, you know, is it light out? Is it dark out? Do we wear sunglasses? Do we not? And he had said, mom, can I drive to the field? Now, I'm coming up with any scenario as to why the answer is no. One time, you guys, this is a true story. I had gone to the dentist earlier in the day, and my teeth were a little achy. And I was like, no, you can't drive. My teeth hurt. I mean, what that has to do with the price of tea in China? I have no idea. But Uh, he was like, all right. Then another time I said, no, 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 you have cleats on. We don't drive a car with cleats. Now, that probably is true, right? We probably shouldn't be driving a car with cleats, but somehow that translated down the road. My younger son said, mom, are you going to let him drive today? He has flip-flops on. Yeah. Do you drive in Uggs? I do. Well, I guess I had forgotten what my excuse was. (laughs) And at that point I was like, no, well, I mean, you can drive with flip-flops. And he's like, really? Because I think last time you said he couldn't. So, (laughs) so Rachel,
2: Rachel, Rachel, listen. Honestly, just medicate yourself at this point, which I might actually suggest, right? And I say that tongue in cheek, it might actually be a recommendation at some point that you might want to consider. But to take a step back, because I do think this is universal. A lot of this is normal. Angst, right? We want to be able to protect our children from every single possible scenario, and we want to be able to—what are they calling them now? Snowplow the the path for them, right? Be that snowplowing parent, so that everything or lawn mowing parent—I've heard both used. I guess it depends if you live up north or down south, but pave the way for them so that they never have a mishap. But truthfully. We say this in every facet of our lives. And I understand that this sometimes the cost, similar to when we did our drug episode, the cost of one bad move could be too far where it you can't bring it back from that. But we can only do the best that we can do to give them as much practice and as much freedom to be able to go out there and educate them the best that we can, which it sounds like you've done. It sounds like you've gotten him the lessons. It sounds like your ex-husband's been with him. It sounds like you've been with him. It sounds like he's taken the coursework that he needed to do. It sounds like he's asked the questions. It sounds like he's still even saying, can I wear flip-flops? Can I not wear flip-flops? Can I do this? Can I not do this? So he's thinking about those things. And it's a slow progression. You know, you put him on the roads, you make him drive when it's a nice day first by himself. You then have him go a little bit when maybe when it's raining, then you, you know, move on to new city streets. Then you do 95 because like 95 is 95, you know, and that should be like the last one. But then you have to start to take a step back and just really realize that this is your own lack of control that's stirring all of this up.
1: Yeah. And I know you're right. And I wonder too, if it makes sense to think, and again, you're the doctor, I'm just the nut job, but I wonder if what it's doing is also kind of stirring up old childhood memories of my own about when I was a new driver. And I mean, we of can course. laugh about it now because I did get through it, but I can't tell you. And listen, thank God there weren't a ton of them, but there have been some big ticket And by big ticket, I mean emotional big ticket Mm -hmm. times and memories where it was like, oh, my God, thank God I'm here to talk about it now. Unpolished memory, number one, making a left turn from the middle lane because I (laughs) fucked up and I didn't know and was sideswiped or got sideswiped. And oh, my God, thank God, you know, no one got killed or being in. And this wasn't even in Florida. This is being up in New York and New Jersey driving with friends of mine at a very young age in absolute monsoons, Mm -hmm. monsoons, Mm -hmm. and not knowing what to do because there was no visibility. And sure, you can be
2: told, get in the right lane, put your blinker on, drive very slowly, pull over until it stops. The blinkers are against the law, apparently. I didn't know this either, but it is to put your blinkers on during the rain is against the law. Maybe, who knew? I didn't know. I
1: guess I've been breaking the law because that would be something that I would do and kind of just move Mm -hmm. all the way over. And those were high anxiety producing moments college, which again, we're not at the college phase quite yet, but I was just joking around with college friends of mine, the whole, do you remember when we were in college and driving back to school in a complete blizzard with yep. zero visibility? And it was the dumb leading the dumber and the blind leading the blinder. And God only knows if you know what kind of state of mind we were in, which I think kids these days are much, 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 much smarter and make
2: smarter choices in that arena. I'm having these floodgate flashbacks, triggers. And you guys all can't see me doing my air quotes, but you're being triggered by your early experiences, as is every parent at every time, at every milestone in their life. Absolutely. And I think that's important, but it's also important to realize how you started this with your introduction about your son. He's your person, Mm. right? He's always been your person. And so this raises, oh, I'm, I can see that I'm already, yeah, I hit on something there. He's your person. And this is a complicated one because he's always been under your reign and you could always had the illusion that you could protect him from everything. So this is triggering to you on much more than just a safety level. This is really Your person is going out into the big bad world and he is going to become a God willing, successful, happy, independent young man who's going to go on his way. And that's really frightening and that's scary. And it makes us reflect back on how quickly the time goes and it makes us reflect on all the negative things like those acts and those stupid things that we do. And it gets heightened now because at least then it was you. And now it's your person, right? And you had faith in what you would decide and you knew that you can control you, but you now can't control that person anymore. And what if he does get through this? And what if he does become that successful, independent person? What does that mean for you? And so I just think that a lot of the anxiety that you're having is just a compounded anxiety. And yes, part of it is the realistic part of driving, but the other part is what does it mean that he's growing up? Yeah, I guess so. And I love that you were just so
1: long-winded because it gave me time to have my silent cry, I know. To, to, to wipe my tears, to be like, all right, great. We're only on episode two of the new year and I'm already sitting here sobbing. So thank you. Which again, I'm willing to be vulnerable to say, yeah, guys, I sat here just biting the inside of my cheeks, sobbing as Dr. Boca was so eloquently Telling me that I guess all of this is normal and my baby is growing up. And what does that mean? And I've lost control. And I get it. I get it. But
2: I'm scared. But I'm scared. Rachel, you wouldn't be human if you weren't scared. I mean, it's a natural feeling to feel when we, when we, I remember my kid going into, uh, leaving preschool and going into elementary school. Meanwhile, like they were going into the yummiest elementary school ever. And yet I remember saying to the preschool teachers, oh my God, I'm dying here. They're going into the big bad world of like elementary school. Like I can't hold them to me anymore and protect them and they're going to be gone. And I can't just like peek into the window and make sure everything's okay. And they got through it. And I had to realize that I was putting anxiety on them and that wasn't fair. So I understand that this is real and this this feels so scary and it is natural.
1: And you know what I was just thinking of? And again, you know, I'm I'm putting it out there. If I'm thinking it, maybe other parents out there that are going through this now or soon to be, or if they recently have and they can shed some light, maybe they identify with this. When you were talking about the preschool or elementary school, when the kids would go to like that separation class, I guess it was. Mm -hmm. And I know, you know, not all parents, but a lot of parents always used to use the line like, mommy always comes back, Mm -hmm. right? Mm And I guess now I feel like if the roles were reversed, I just want to make sure
2: when he gets in that car, he's gonna. I just back. want to make
1: sure he comes back.
2: Mm-hmm. And again, we don't have a crystal ball to predict everything, but we hope and we pray that we have given them every possible training opportunity and that we have raised them to make good decisions. What they have going for them can be a a benefit and a liability. They do have access to cell phones. Now, hopefully they're not using them while they're driving, but if there was an emergency, they can reach us. On star or one of those things reaches them a lot quicker. We do know where they are. We can track them if we choose to. And so there are opportunities there that we are still supporting them and are available to them where our parents and their parents weren't available to them as well. So it's just one more layer, but you're asking or you're wanting a guarantee Of life and safety, and we can't unfortunately give that. So as soon as we can accept that there's a possibility, but the likelihood is so, so very slim that that's going to happen, maybe we can give ourselves just a little bit of breathing room. I'm not saying anyone's ever going to get that fear out of you or have you lose that worry and anxiety. But there's also a component here, like I said before, that sounds like it's just very complicated for you based on your own histories and your own experiences and the fact that he is your person. So I deeply, deeply feel that fear in you and hope that you can give yourself just that little bit of space to realize that the likelihood is very, very slim that something terrible is going to happen. And I wonder what you
1: think about this. I would imagine people kind of, in their own mind, talk about the differences then versus now. And yes, we have all these tracking devices. And I don't know one parent that doesn't have life 360 on their phone. And even before all the, the driving stuff, I mean, the second that that was available, I know where my kids are at every second. Mm-hmm. And then it drives me crazy if their they're, if they're, their phone isn't charged and then I don't know where they are. And <laughs> right. I wonder if there's something to be said for that over information. And now listen, with them in the neighborhood and we know that they're not getting into moving vehicles, mm-hmm. do you have to be on top of them every breathing second? No. And we could probably give them a little bit of breathing room. But now with the driving, I don't know what your thoughts are from a professional standpoint. Do you think it's hurting or helping that we are able to know not only exactly where they are, but how fast they're going and what route they took to get there? I'm from the camp of, you know, if they want to go to point A to point B, I'm like, can you get there just by making right turns? <laughs> you know, <laughs> no left turns. Just I don't care if you have to go out of your way. Just keep in the right lane. Just make the right turn. Love me know
2: how that works out, Rach. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so I don't know. I mean, I'm trying to find a little bit of levity. I know. Because otherwise I'm
2: going to combust. I, I know. Do
1: you think I, tracking, I guess that's my
2: question. Is that helping us or hurting us? I think everything in moderation, like we always say, and I hate to be so cliche about that, but I think at the beginning it makes everybody feel a little bit more accountable and a little bit more responsible, both our children and us, right? And it gives us data points so that we can help guide them into how to be better drivers. It also calms our our anxiety. However, at some point, our responsibility as parents is to make these children into capable, able, independent human beings that are able to function in society without us. And by constantly micromanaging them and constantly being on top of them We are starting to see next generation in their college years who don't have, and to quote our middle school principal, they don't have grit, right? And they don't have the ability to be resilient. And everything is a call to mom and a call to dad and a call to this. And it's too much enmeshment. And they've become unable to problem solve and and deal with situations about things that you and I would have never spoken to our parents about. And again, I'm not saying one is right and one is wrong. but both seem to be a little bit too much. You know, it's either not talking to them at all or being way too enmeshed in it. So I think it's a progression at the beginning, maybe tracking and then slowly but surely both you and like we talked about with college, both you and your child's kind of starting to wean off as the data points indicate that he's a good driver, right? And so I'm not saying take it off your phone, but do we need to check it obsessively? No, we don't. Maybe at the beginning, but definitely not as they have proved themselves to be capable and responsible.
1: I wonder too with people like myself who are fairly <laughs> on the anxious side. No, to say the least. really, really, me? No, huh? You? Come on. No. Um. I wonder if you know? I've always had this philosophy, and certainly it's it's an unpolished philosophy. But if I could just worry enough to take away whatever the angst is. Sign me up for that, right? So when you say, you know, yeah, in the beginning, you're going to worry, you're going to check, you're going to this, but then I guess it'll dissipate or it'll slow down or life will resume, if you will. And my unpolishedness, right, Mm -hmm. is that, well, wait a minute, the second I take my foot off the gas, ha ha ha, you know, no pun intended, intended. but on the,
2: on the worrying, right? Mm -hmm something will happen.
1: Is that when I should be slamming on the brakes because oh my God, that's when something's gonna happen. And again, do I think that that's rational? Of course not. It's
2: what we call magical thinking as though you're controlling what's actually going to happen and the fact that if you worry about it, that's gonna come to fruition. And again, that's just another manifestation of anxiety and it's no, to- no, 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 what I mean is if I I'm saying if over worrying mm-hmm. means it like nothing bad'll happen, I'll do that. like right, no, I understand. I can- but if you didn't worry, then something right, right, right. is going yes, to happen, yes, right? So yes, it's like a yes. magical thinking type oh, of I thing see. as okay. though that your thoughts or not thinking is what's going to produce either the right. desired or undesired result, Co- yeah. right? I mean, it's just like a backwards magical thinking. But anyway, the point being is that's just another manifestation of anxiety in a way to try to believe you are controlling things as though your thought process or not thinking about something really does have an impact on that. It doesn't. Now, that's not to say that we all don't do our superstitious, like little 11 11s make a wish and, you know, drive by the cemeteries and hold your breath that we did as a kid. You know, Mm -hmm. some of us do that now. Some of us don't do it. Some of us do it at certain times. If you really assess where those fall, it's usually at your most anxious points in your life because you think that that's like, if you do it, Nothing bad is going to happen, and if you don't do it, then that's the day it's going to happen. So,
1: and not for anything, Doctor Broca, but you forgot rabbit, rabbit, rabbit rabbit. every month (laughs) because I still think that rabbit, rabbit is bullshit. Just putting that out there.
0: Right.
2: A whole podcast and year later, by the way.
1: You know what I'd like to know because I do think we are strength in numbers and. I do have a problem with the parents that are like, oh my God, that's what your problem is now. Wait till you get to college or wait till your kid gets thrown out of college, you know, whatever, whatever. I want to know, from the parents that have gone through it and they seem to be doing okay and they're taking deeper breaths. I would like to know what some of their real life experiences have been, not from the unpolished therapy standpoint or the textbook talk, but real life. You know what? I hear you, girl. I'm right there with you. Or these are the tools that I've used because... Mm -hmm it will help me. And then for the generations behind us, those parents that are one, two, five, ten 10 years behind, that at some point, they're going to get to where we're at sure. now. If we can help them 10 years ago, or I guess maybe if we're being a little bit more accurate, you know, five, six years ago, we'll say, when family members of mine, when their kids were in that boat, I remember, you know, we were like, oh, yeah, well, that's not where we're at now. And I have no idea what they're talking about. And I can't identify guess what? Time does creep up. And at some point, if we are, again, lucky enough to get to these milestones, Mm -hmm. it isn't about the avoidance. And and that's why I'm trying to convey that to the listeners and why I brought it to the table today, Dr. Boga. I don't want to avoid it. I can't avoid it. You can't. It happens. If there was a magical pill or if there was some type of magical thinking that we haven't come up with yet, sign me up for that too, if we could make it not happen. But it is happening. Mm -hmm. It's happened. He's driving. And we need to help each other in these milestones that are beautiful. And I want to celebrate it. I don't want to miss it by hiding under the covers because I cannot cope with the fact that our children are doing less Childlike things, and they're doing more adult-like things. And how do we
2: take a deep breath? How do we take a deep breath? And it's important. We do have to breathe because the more you resist the breath, the more room there is for the anxiety. And the breath is going to release. And I know it sounds, again, cliche, but if we can breathe through it, we can get through it. And in this situation, it's really about just getting to a place of acceptance that we've done everything we can and that we can't control certain things in life. But as we try to control something that's uncontrollable, Aren't we doing more damage, whether it's to them and instilling anxiety and self-doubt in them, whether it's our own mishigas that makes us crazy and therefore we can't concentrate or we it keeps us up at night and we're not getting sleep and we can't work. And then our relationships we're not even present with when it's our person and we can't even be present with our child. So those moments are going to get lost. Those are the things we want to avoid falling into those pits because that's really hurting us every which way to China. And we don't want to do that. So we want to be able to be the best version of ourselves so that we can enjoy all the amazing moments, even if we have that little bit of anxiety is going to stay there. And that's okay. We just can't let it become powerful over us to the point where it starts to ruin everything and create that self-fulfilling prophecy of what actually we're hoping doesn't happen. And yet it's going to happen because of our own anxiety.
1: So yeah, I look, you've said it all and now we have to practice it. And I know we don't want to talk cliches. I certainly don't. But the only thing that comes to mind is he's driving me crazy. Like I'm, I, I cannot believe how crazy it is that he's driving me. And I guess to all of our listeners out there, to your babies who are now not such babies anymore that are driving you too, I get it. It's crazy. It's exciting, it's nerve-wracking, it's mind-blowing, we're dumbfounded, mm-hmm. but as Dr. Boca says, we've got to try to just breathe through it strength in numbers. Let's all kind of share, if you're willing, how you've used your own coping mechanisms to get through such a huge milestone and make it a open path and not a roadblock, right? Yeah,
2: that's helpful, right? We don't want roadblocks for him either. So let's clear that way for ourselves at least and model that for them. Exactly, exactly. So with that being said, I guess
1: this is a good place to stop and, you know, let's forge ahead and we want to have open roads and And right (laughs) turns, right turns. We don't want traffic jams and we want everyone wearing their seatbelts. Keep that Life 360 on, at least in the beginning. And also keep Unpolished Therapy in your download list on your iPhone or however you get your podcasts every Wednesday, Unpolished Therapy. We look forward to chatting again next week. This has been a heavy one for me. So Dr. Boca, I thank you so much for your expertise. I thank the listeners for being compassionate to my unpolishedness. You can always find us on Instagram and Facebook at Unpolished Therapy. You can find us on Twitter at Untherapy. You can send us direct messages, private messages, whatever, whatever, via email at unpolishedtherapy at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Your thoughts are so welcomed and appreciated, and it does help us too. So with that being said, I am Rachel Silver-Cohen with the one and only Dr. Boca. Thank you for listening to another episode of Unpolished Therapy.
0: Great sesh, girls. Hey, everyone. Like what you heard? Then don't miss out on what comes next. Subscribe now and please give the girls a five-star rating. Learn more at www.unpolishedtherapy.com. Find and like them on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We'll see you next week when Rachel Silvercone and Dr. Boca ditch the couch, grab the mic, and break down all the wreckage.